0: Okay, welcome back to episode two of the Zuriel Show. Now today, I have with me Claudio Romo Edelman. Sorry if I got the pronunciations wrong. (laughs) But she is the founder of the We Are All Human. Claudia is a very visionary. She is a visionary leader and marketer that has worked for 25 years with the most recognized institutions, including the United Nations, UNICEF, the Global Fund, and the World Economic Forum. Claudia, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, and uh, what you do.
1: I am, I am very grateful for the opportunity to be talking to you. I am Claudia romo I'm the founder of the World Human Foundation. We're a non-for-profit dedicated to advancing diversity and inclusion as a, as a way to get to equity. Um, we are uh, young, uh, but fast and furious, we're both, we're focused on two things. Um, the first one is um, to bring a light to communities uh, that have been on the shadow, uh, such as the Hispanic community right now. Yeah. And on the other hand, we have a global arm that does content and community building with a podcast and a newsletter called The Global Cast.
0: Amazing, amazing. No. When I came across your page on LinkedIn, I had to connect, and I genuinely wanted to have you as a, as a guest on the show. I actually wanted to know what inspired the the name We Are All Human. What inspired that particular name for your brand?
1: I I have I have had the pleasure and the privilege to work. Um, with the United Nations and the Office of the Secretary-General. And when you have that global perspective and that bird-eye, if you want bird-eye perspective, you can see that the world is making progress in every single aspect, Uh, whether, you know, the number of people that have access to education, to electricity, uh, maternal mortality, under five, Uh, Mortality, in every aspect, we're better off than we were ever before as humanity. There's one or two things that truly concern me, and one of them is that divisive language is getting increasing traction, and that we're forgetting that we belong to the same human family, and that the sense of otherness is growing, uh, particularly because technology has not helped you in putting more silos on following you uh, providing you with the evidence yeah. what you want to hear again and again, and what you be, and just like reinforce that, as opposed to realize that there are like a variety of opinions and a variety of people. Yeah. And that is a real danger to stop the progress that we have, to derail from the progress that we have, because at the end of the day, as coronavirus is teaching us, there is no distinction. We belong to the same human family, and if an earthquake or a virus or a pandemic will come, will take us all. So, easy. for us to be able to remember, to remind ourselves of that muscle, to remind ourselves the reminder that the virus is doing today is to remind us that we're all vulnerable, that we're all in this together, that there is actually no distinction of your political party or your color, your sexual orientation. Uh, so, if, if the world doesn't make a difference, why would we, we so have easy. to remind ourselves that we are all human? so that we can all advance because we only win if
0: we all win. Amazing. You know, touching on what you mentioned on the coronavirus, how it's polarized everything from the social economic, when it comes to businesses, when it comes to just children going to schools, lawyers doing what they do on a daily basis, a lot has been affected. Um, Coming back to we're all human, why is it that it takes such great tragedies for us to come together as human beings? Why is it not normal for us to live like This and I know that this pandemic has brought a lot of unrest, a lot of conflict where people, are, you know, there's an overreaction that you see in media, people are rushing to buy supplies. But that aside, why is it that it takes this type of tragedies for us to come together as human beings and think as one? I don't
1: think that, uh, I don't think that that's you know, like, I, I'm, a, okay. I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in humankind, okay, and I, okay, that, um. The world is more malleable than what we think. Mm-hmm. I mean, being and you have been seeing that as well. Transformations, that societal behavioral transformations that were hard to believe before they started. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I, I I grew up in a world where smoking was super sexy and super <laughs> aspirational, right. and like my father wanted to have like these cowboy, super tight jeans and the boots, like the Malboro man and. My mother was like, you know, practicing her school proud <laughs> to make them. So that was the thing. And it was educational and it was uh, allowed and it was socially acceptable and, you uh, know, like. And at some point, we made the sweet We understood that that was not good for society, that that was not for good for health, that was not good for governments, that was not good for anybody, and you no longer can smoke on planes, uh, it's totally forbidden by law, right. uh, to smoke in, in private and public public places, it's societally reprehensive, um, so right. you're not, you know, like, and, and then at in, in, in the individual level you feel that it's socially unacceptable, so why wouldn't we aspire? To make racism and discrimination the same, go through the same journey. Why would we doubt that that is possible? It's just we have to make a, make up a point of understanding why this is a better route than any other, and just making sure that we follow those tracks yeah. that we have seen in other <laughs> in other areas that I have worked on that we have seen change.
0: Amazing, amazing. Now take me through who Claudia was. In terms of when you started off your journey, what was one of the biggest challenges you encountered when you were growing We Are Human?
1: I mean, World Human is a very young organization yeah. to start with. Yeah. And one of the most important, I think that one of the most important challenges that and any other found is just to be very clear and focused on what you can do or what's your unique value proposition, why, Does it matter? Why are you uniquely, uh, you know, like, uh, what what is that you uniquely can achieve? And so, having a very clear theory of change, what are the issues that you want to solve? What are the outcomes that you want to achieve? And what are the actions that you take? Uh, It takes time and it takes iteration and it takes flexibility. And I'm deeply grateful for the members of my team that have been there with me from the very beginning, understanding. How do we actually navigate? What is the value added that we have? How do we actually change completely and adjust? Uh, we were just about to launch a campaign yeah. a few weeks ago when coronavirus arrived, and we had to literally change 100% what we were doing to adapt it to the new reality. And so it is it is that flexibility and that uh, agility of the mind mm. that uh, I'm very grateful for uh, working on a small, social enterprise. Um, But also for World Human and for all the organizations in the world, having a very clear strategy, focusing on what you can achieve, just being crystal clear about the areas that you're not going to be able to achieve, that you're not going to be able to touch, and applying your professional skill set with a very single, you know, with a laser focus on what you want to achieve. I think that was one of the main challenges we we faced right. at the beginning, and <clears throat> um, also is one of the main challenges I think that corporations and organizations today are facing, particularly, were confronted to uh, to, to to shift and change
0: the way we are living today. Amazing, amazing. Now you mentioned that you uh, the coronavirus hindered the launch of one of your particular campaigns. However, one thing I noticed was the launch of the recovery campaign. And when I read about it, I was really impressed in terms of its mission, its objectives and what it aims to do. I just wanted to get you two cents on why you started it and your overall vision, what you aim to do with the recovery campaign.
1: I, I want to start by, by telling you what was the original campaign. Okay. So, as a manager, uh we're very good, I think, in uh, facilitating and competing. We, we specialized in, we want to, like, we were laser-focused on unifying the Hispanic community. The U.S. Hispanics are 16 million people, 18% of the population, 12% of the GDP. So, if we would be a standalone economy, would be the 8th largest economy in the world. We're the youngest part of the population, 29 years old average, which is six years younger than any other group in America. We have a purchasing power of $1.7 trillion, so we're young. Uh, we produce, we, we're vibrant, vibrant economically. We have an incredible wallet. We're very young. We're the future voters. We're the enterprisers. We're the entrepreneurs create jobs. And yet, we have no idea of our own power. 18% of the population, but only 1% of politics, 18% of the population, but only 1% in India. So what we tried to do is make sure that we created an environment, a campaign, to showcase the contributions of Hispanics to the country. And so our campaign, our original campaign, was called the Hispanic Star. and was based on the creation of a symbol to unify us all. A symbol like the rainbow was for the LGBTQ 1st yes. five years to yeah. Um, so we created this symbol and said we have to produce a platform to showcase the, the Hispanics to the country so that we can move from invisible to visible, from negative to positive, from takers to makers. And we were ready to launch on the 26th of March at the opening game of the Major League of Baseball at the White Sox Amazing. Stadium and boom, coronavirus Amazing. happened. Oh. So with all the assets, with all the work, with all the research, with all the investment that we had, we had to actually take, a, a, you know, like a decision on you know, whether we possibly the campaign and we wait until this sober by default, or whether we use the energy, the infrastructure, the networks that we have to apply it to the people that have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19, which include Hispanic small businesses, entrepreneurs and independent workers. So we moved the campaign from being Hispanic stars, from being Hispanic stars in action. So we launched our Hispanic Recovery, Hispanic Response and Recovery Plan, Mm -hmm. which is a platform that aims to be a clearinghouse of information and action so that we can help those that have been impacted now, today, economically, by the virus losing their jobs, losing their contracts. So we can create a marketplace so that we can find opportunities for others and also uh, start looking at a recovery plan. How are we going to get out of this one once it's over? I've won a couple of pandemics and a couple of crises, and I know that we are panicking right now thinking of the today, but we have to start looking at two steps ahead. So it's great to be thinking, it's necessary to be thinking about today, but we also have to be clever enough to be planning for the future so that when we're out of this, not only we're hit health-wise, but also that we're, we're, we're mitigating economic heat that will come with COVID nineteen. So on the twenty sixth of March, the day that we were going to launch the Hispanic Stars, right. we launched the Hispanic Stars in action. So we were rapid enough to turn it around and use the same momentum that we had, the same media that we had, the same opportunities we had the same friends that we had, to use the energy towards those that needed most now.
0: Amazing, amazing. Now what has been the <clears throat> what has been your motivation behind we are all human. What I've seen and what I'm hearing from you is you're quite passionate about what you do. You have years experience in what you're doing, yet you still have this burning desire to keep going on and keep improving the community. What's that thing that inspires you and keeps you going, even to have that grit to keep going beyond?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, I absolutely believe everything is possible. Um, and and I wouldn't want to have a, my community knowing what I know and having seen what I have seen, um, knowing that it change is possible. I yeah. would I wouldn't you know like ten years from now go back and say like, well, I could have made a difference, but I didn't. Amazing. So um, I think that that's where you know like I had I had a personal. Um, I had a personal experience very early on in my life when my parents had three babies, and um, and I I was the only one that survived. The other two uh, died of uh, a very rare genetic incompatibility uh, disease, and so the three of us developed over fast. Then, when we uh, when they achieved nine months, they started going back. So instead of running, they started walking and from walking, crawling and from walking, sitting and so on until they died. So Absolutely. I grew up pretty much in a microscope uh, where all my family was looking at when am I going to die. And all of a sudden I was dying and I was like surviving and I was like crazy like, and growing and being completely uh, happy and normal. Cool. And, uh, and and I grew up thinking that um, I was not only really strong uh, but actually stronger than them because I was able to beat it up, and there must be a reason, but if I was able to beat up that, then everything is possible. Easy. So when you tell me that, you know, when you tell me that a virus is going to come, and Islam all, um, I say, yes, but we have to be ready, and we will go through this, and we will, you know, like, and we will use that to unite right now, to create a sense of solidarity that we need so badly because the world was so fragmented, so i hope that we use this opportunity that the world is giving us to take the momentum to free, like to survive but also to survive in a different way in a way where we're less connected uh, to technology less connected to our ideas and more connected to the world as
0: amazing amazing that's honestly a very inspiring story honestly i will not have thought of that in terms of that being a source of motivation thank you for sharing that with me now we've reached the end of the interview i like to keep things nice and snappy i really enjoyed the brief conversation we've had it's amazing to hear about you and learn from you just from your mindset to how you achieve your goals and how you set your particular ambitious targets now i just have one final question which aims to, I guess, give my audience a deep understanding of who you are and what you value in your personal life. So the question is, what does success mean to you?
1: <clears throat> um, Arianna Huffington, one of my mentors, and I work with her on Thrive Global. Arianna Huffington started talking to me about this like 10 years ago, about how narrow the definition of success is in the world. And it, it, it got for me because it's true. When you're in school, the only thing that mattered before for yes. uh, your company. Yes. Um, yes. So like in the fifties it, the only success measures were power, money, or beauty. And I, I think that having the range of um, success, like a wider range as what success looked like is is not only really super important for all of us, but it was very important for me to understand. Um, you know, like, what, what drove me. So I think that success for me means that I am able to make a difference And if I am working on something that I put my entire self into it, um, seeing how I am able to expose my children and my family to, you know, like, a wide range of uh, of, of people, of uh, mentality, of ways of being, so that we can have that incredible sense of, you know, the world, I think that having a very healthy uh, life and a very healthy relationship with, uh, you know, with myself, with my children, with my husband, with my family is important. So I think that I have a right to 10 things that define success for me uh, and, and, and it, is, it is absolutely not narrowed down to, uh, to the traditional two things or three things that matter. But it is very, very important that all of us Have a sense of here. My top five for real for me. What matters? Yeah. Quality matters a lot. For someone else, would not matter so much. So having that sense of what matters uh, and how the youth finds it says well beyond what you know, like the traditional ways. Are is a great exercise that I would recommend all your audience.
0: (laughs) Definitely check it out. One hundred percent. I would honestly recommend it to the end. I've reached the end of the podcast. It's been an amazing recording and I'm sure hopefully I'd get the opportunity to do this at a later date. However, I'd like to just give you the opportunity to let the people know how they can get in touch with you, uh, know about you and be involved in what you do.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Everybody needs to be on this one together. Please join us at the human uh, foundation work, uh, go to the hispanicstar.org, hispanicstar.org if you want to work on something related to COVID. Ambassadors that are organizing hubs at the local level we have hubs in 25 different cities all across the country. If you want to work with us, in general, you can reach me at claudia.worldhuman.org, claudia.worldhuman.org, go to the hispanicstand.org for any information that you need. Thank you so
0: much for the interview. Thank you very much, Claudia. Have an amazing day ahead of you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.